This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey, this is Trey, and thank you for joining us for another Tuesdays with Trey. I do not have a bucket list. I have a bucket hat, which I wear on the golf course in the summertime to escape the searing South Carolina sun, but not a bucket list, not a list of things I want to do or visit or read before I die. If I did have a bucket list, there would be uh, only two things on that list. Number one would be don't die. That would be on my bucket list. Don't die. And number two would be to take my wife to Israel. So last week I did just that. I didn't die. And I took Terry to Israel. And I don't know of any um, one who is a more authentic believer, more authentic in her faith uh, than Terry is. Of course, she reads the Bible and she attends church and all of that. But more than that, she really tries to live out the teachings of the Bible. So I wanted her to be able to see where Jesus was born and where he lived and to perform miracles and preach the Sermon on the Mount and the temple remains in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I wanted her to see all of that. So we went and she got to see all the places that she's read about and heard about and studied over the course of her life. I had been before when I was 17, had a wonderful time, but truth be told, I would not have gone back had it not been for her. So there we are in this historically significant country, home of major world religions with all of its history and conflict and conquerors and for believers, the saint of things to come. And Israel is surrounded, as you know, by current, past, or perhaps future adversaries. It's a small country, a nascent democracy. And while I'm there, there are lots of things happening in this country, in America. It's quite a busy week for all three branches of government. And America is not surrounded by enemies. We are surrounded by oceans. And we have neighbors with whom we have good relations. And yet the United States, at least last week, felt more tumultuous than Israel did. There is the aftermath of the 2020 election. There are the congressional hearings about what happened between the election and the inauguration. There's another election looming this fall. There are major pieces of legislation being hotly debated. And there was the decision in the Dobbs case, uh, which reversed the precedent set by Roe and Casey as it relates to the issue of abortion. And abortion is probably the most hotly debated issue of my lifetime. 
Um, the polling numbers ebb and flow from time to time, but the country is essentially close to split. Uh, for some, it is an issue as fundamental as when life begins and how and when it should be protected by the state. For others, it's an issue of personal autonomy and whether the state can tell you what to do or not to do with your body. And that is the fairest, most apolitical way I can define the issue at bar. Life interest versus liberty interest. And two of the more fundamental precepts that we have in our culture um, are at issue. And I have witnessed and known people to change their minds on this issue, but I've never seen anyone's opinion change because of debate or argument. Not in my lifetime. I'm not saying it hadn't happened. I'm just saying I hadn't seen it. I've seen people's opinions change, but not because someone argued with them. I've seen people change their perspective based on personal experience. I've seen people change their perspective based on life experience. I've seen people change their perspective based on having children themselves. And I've seen technology change people's perspective, but almost never political debate. And I think the reason for that is multifold. But part of the reason is because we've not had to argue, debate, and persuade one another for a long time in this country. When we have difficult or challenging issues, we run to court. We don't run toward each other. We run to court. We go to court now to pick presidents, or we try to. We go to court on issues of marriage, religion, guns, privacy. We become a nation of court seekers to either establish, ratify, or upend what we like or don't like. So issues surrounding life and when it begins and privacy and autonomy all have been court issues, at least in my lifetime, not issues for legislative bodies or voters. And yet debate and persuasion and argument are at the core of this thing we call democracy. So when I came home from Israel, I read the Dobbs decision, not the result, not an article about it, not a headline about it, but the actual court decision, majority concurring and dissenting. And I did not stop there. I went back and read the decisions in other cases involving the assertion or allegation of constitutional rights either being born into existence or illuminated by a court after centuries of remaining in what they thought was the dark or the shadows, I would encourage you to read the decision in Dobbs for yourself. Yes, it is long. Yes, it is written by lawyers. We're a nation of laws, but not necessarily a nation of lawyers. So I get how painful it can be to read court opinions. Trust me, I had to do it I had to do it for three years, and I've been doing it ever since. But it's a small thing to ask to live in a democracy that we don't rely on letting others read things for us and then summarize them with a headline or a tweet. We do it for ourselves. So I would encourage you to read it. And the core of the issue is best, I think, put this way. You have certain rights laid out for you in the Constitution. There are other rights 
nearly every Supreme Court justice, no matter their political or jurisprudential orthodoxy, concedes exist, but they're not mentioned in the Constitution. I mean, I'll, I'll give you a, an example. There's no right to marriage mentioned in the Constitution. I mean, if I were to tell you that you don't have the right to marry, you would think, well, you've lost your mind, Trey. Of course I do. But it's not mentioned in the Constitution. Yet, it is considered a fundamental right. There's no right to privacy mentioned in the Constitution. There's no right to self-defense. There are those who read the Second Amendment as having embedded within it a right to self-defense, but it's not mentioned. It's not mentioned that you have the right to pursue education. In fact, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. The word education is not mentioned in the United States Constitution. It is mentioned in the South Carolina State Constitution, but not the U.S. Constitution. There's no right to enter into contracts mentioned in the Constitution, but no one debates those are rights you have. The issue then becomes, do we call those constitutional rights or do we call them something else? I mean, if you call it a constitutional right, it's not in the Constitution. Not plainly. And regardless of what we call them, whose job is it to identify those rights? And there's been this reliance on the courts to illuminate what those rights are. I mean, as if we're incapable of doing it ourselves. I mean, we can all read the Constitution. You don't have to go to law school to be able to read the Constitution. It's a pretty plainly written document. And you'll see what some of your rights are. And I guarantee you that when you read the Constitution, at the end of it, you will think, well, wait a minute. That's not all of them. I mean, marriage isn't in there, self-defense isn't in there, contract's not in there, education's not in there. And the courts have noted some rights are so rooted in the traditions and conscience of our people as to be ranked as fundamental. I mean, it doesn't matter how liberal or conservative a Supreme Court justice is, every one of them will concede that there are some rights that you have that are so rooted in the traditions and the history and the consciousness of us that they are to be considered as fundamental, but they're not listed. So what are those rights and whose job is it to identify them? Is there a difference between a constitutional right and a personal preference. Do we from time to time try to elevate our personal preferences or even our deeply held convictions to the status of a right? You know, not to digress, but you know, we got July 4th coming up and I, I, I love that line from the Declaration of Independence. Sometimes people from time to time think it's in the Constitution, but it's not. You know, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So there's that word truth, and there's the word right, and there's that phrase among these which suggests this ain't all of them. I'll give you three, but it's not all of them. Wait right there. 
We'll have more next. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, who gets to decide? And, and, and if once declared a right... If five members of the Supreme Court declare something a right, does that mean it's a right for all of time in perpetuity? I mean, is it I mean, five to four? How many five to four decisions have we had in our country? I mean, I can think of I can think of a dozen right now, five to four Supreme Court decisions in our lifetime, which means that one person has decided that a right exists. And we are to what? Never challenge that again? That because it's five to four, because one more person in a black robe said yes, then said no, that that settles it for all of time? And is that what democracy has been reduced to? One lawyer deciding things? So when I mentioned, I, when I came back, I, I didn't just read Dobbs. I went back and read other opinions too. Because this issue of substantive due process is not it's not just Dobbs there there are countless opinions on it I mean for thousands of years marriage was defined as between a man and a woman one man one woman I mean for thousands of years that was the way it was to define and some states began to allow for same-sex marriage but the court decided that it could not wait for the democratic process to play out nor could the court abide the fact that some states viewed and continued to view and define the issue differently. So the Supreme Court decided this issue for everyone. Even though no one can seriously argue there is a historical and deeply held constitutional right for same-sex people to marry. There, there's, there is no argument that that is rooted in our history. It didn't exist at all until 2015, much less for hundreds of years, but five people in black robes decided it for us. You know, Chief Justice Roberts wrote a dissenting opinion. And again, when I tell you to read Supreme Court opinions, read, read all of them. Read the ones that were in the majority. Read the ones that were dissenting. But in a dissenting opinion, he put it like this. If you are among the many Americans who favor the expanding or favor expanding same-sex marriage, then celebrate the Supreme Court opinion. Celebrate the achievements of a desired goal. Celebrate the opportunity for a new expression of commitment to a partner. Celebrate the new benefits, but do not celebrate the Constitution. It had nothing to do with it. 
His point being, of course, there is no constitutional right called same-sex marriage. Your state may grant that right. You may believe it is a human right, but it is not a constitutional right, and judges should not be deciding it. And so here we are with Dobbs and the courts in Roe and Casey before Dobbs decided uh, not only that there's a constitutional right to abortion, but that right is inviolate up until the point of viability and realizing that that was a completely unworkable legal paradigm. The Casey court then changed it to an undue burden test. So, I mean, Roe versus Wade and Casey versus Planned Parenthood do not stand for the exact same proposition. Uh, The legal analysis changed. So what we're left with, of course, is this. The Constitution does not mention abortion, and nor was it a deeply seated in our culture or law at any point. It's not a historical right. It was not a constitutional right until the Supreme Court just decided it was. And now a different court has decided it is not again. And the matter is left for the people to decide. Such is the nature of a functioning democracy, influencing legislative policy and legislative bodies. What will the states do? It will run the full range, I suppose, from the most conservative states outlawing most, if not all, abortions to the most liberal states placing few, if any, restrictions. Issue number one for me is who gets to decide. Is it truly a legal, a constitutional issue for judges and judges alone? Is it really only up to nine lawyers who never face the voters to decide all the important issues in our culture? I mean, some of the issues, yes. All of them, no. The challenge then becomes, which is which? Is this an issue to be decided by the judges, or is this an issue to be decided by us? So the number one issue for me, after reading these decisions and rereading old decisions, is who gets to decide? And that brings me back. I mean, we're around July 4th. There's a line in the Declaration of Independence. Certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's a powerful line. It captures the essence of who we want to be. And yet, well over half the country was left out of that. They were left out of that sentence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. That leaves out over half the population. It doesn't mention women. And we know that despite those words, they didn't include people of color because they could not participate. And it took a war and it took constitutional amendments to change that. So right off the bat, we see that even the rights we agree are fundamental require both the courts and the voters to ensure those rights. But what do we make of that phrase, among these? Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That seems to suggest there are more, that this list is not exhaustive. The list is not full. So who gets to decide what else makes that list, the courts or the people? Dobbs said it was the people, at least on this issue. So if it's the people... Are you ready for the debate? Are you ready for the 
hard work of sorting it all out. No longer will the courts do it, but rather you and I must do it. You know, I prosecuted a case where a young woman became pregnant as a result of a unthinkably horrific rape. I mean, I, 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 I will not go through the facts other than to say that she was kidnapped, carjacked, and serially raped for hours by two assailants. And the trial judge who presided over that case was then and still is a friend of mine. He's now on the Supreme Court in the state of South Carolina. And we talk, and we were talking just this week. We don't often reminisce about, he was the trial judge and I was the prosecutor in that case. We don't go back in time that often, but we were talking this week. And even though it's been, I guess, now nearly 20 years, we both mentioned that case to one another because it impacted us. Now, you decide what that young woman can do in the aftermath of that rape, because yes, she became pregnant as a result of that. Does she carry the pregnancy to term? Are there people that are going to prosecute her if she does not? Can the emergency room give her medicine, including medicine that terminates the conception as a result of the rape? Can she leave South Carolina to go to another state if she doesn't like the law in South Carolina? Those are issues that in the past the court would sort out for us. And now we sort it out. Abortion, privacy, marriage, education, contracts, not mentioned in the Constitution. But life is twice, I think, if memory serves, is mentioned in both the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments. So those other words aren't mentioned, but life is. So is the definition of when life begins, the origin of life, is it really going to be left up to the 50 states? Are we really going to have 50 different definitions of when life begins? I mean, depending on which side of the street you live on, your life begins this point or life begins that point. You know, courts are not supposed to be pro-same-sex marriage or anti-same-sex marriage. Courts are not supposed to be pro-government or pro-defendant. Courts are not supposed to be pro-life or pro-choice or pro-abortion. As Chief Justice wrote in another instance, courts are not authorized to exercise force or will, but rather judgment. And this judgment is whether a right is constitutional or left to the people. And if you believe it's left to the people, then you should be about the process of thinking your way through all the various issues that will now come up and how best to reconcile those issues. I was talking to a friend of mine who was still in politics that, you know, for all the complaining people do about courts being activists and stepping in where they're not supposed to step in, um, now it's up to us. It's been sent back to the people. We shall see what the people decide. That is a cause for celebration on July the 4th, that we live in a country where we can make these decisions, but it's also 
a cause for us to reflect on them and think about them and think about the consequences of the decisions that we make uh, as a democratic people and how those decisions impact other people's lives. With that, I hope that you and your family and your loved ones have a happy July 4th. Do not kill the messenger, but I would encourage you to not rely on articles or headlines or other people's summaries or analyses. This is a participatory democracy. Lots of people have sacrificed mindly for us. All I'm asking is that you read these decisions for yourself so you can make up your own mind. Thank you for spending another Tuesday with Trey. Please subscribe, rate, or review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or at foxnewspodcast.com. You've been listening to the Trey Gowdy Podcast on the Fox News Podcast Network. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.